Hi, I'm Dan Cottrell, editor of Rugby Coach Weekly. You're about to jump into one of our podcasts. If you want to find out more about this podcast and also all of the great content, drills, activities, games and advice on the website, then go over to www.rugbycoachweekly.net. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Where, where a player will challenge a coach and do say stupid things to others. Like, but if that's not nipped in the butt, how does it you think it's going to change when a game time? Rugby Coach Weekly presents The Coaching Knife, where we cut to the root, cut out the fluff, and challenge the masters of their domain to cut to the chase. Welcome to the Coaching Knife, where we cut to the root of the matter. With me, I've got Phil Kloric, who is CEO of the Rugby Foundation. Uh, we're going to cut to the root of the matter on respect. So, are you ready for the knife? I, I the, Cut me deep. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by respect? Respect to me is having uh, uh, an understanding of boundaries. Give me and, some examples of some boundaries. Well, to be, to be honourable... Uh, okay, so you're going to be an example of honourableness. Well, if I was if I was a police officer as an example, and I had to go deal with somebody who was in a bad situation, and my job is to make an arrest, that person gets treated the same as anybody else until I am disrespected, meaning either they assault or they threaten me or whatever the case be is. And I think that that is a, one of those values that needs to be passed along in whatever aspect of life. So we're obviously talking a bit about rugby here, and we understand that respect is a big part of rugby. Can you give me examples of how that would look like for you? Oh, absolutely. Certainly. That, that's an easy one. For me, it's whether you're an administration, whether you're a coach or a player or a referee. It's, it, it's your interaction between somebody of authority as an example or maybe a comrade like your your other teammate or maybe your opposition number or more importantly to me is about a referee having a person with respect and asking a question versus being disrespectful and approaching it or threatening somebody so is it possible then that someone can accidentally disrespect somebody yes absolutely so how do you deal with that then is understanding the person's character meaning that in okay, the heat, I, I, of, in I, the heat I, of the moment or something along those so lines? I'm just going to butt in there. So I, I can understand how that could work with people you work with on a regular basis. Yeah. But often when we play against another team, we might be facing that person for the very first time. So, mm-hmm. Or you might be refereeing that person for the very first time. So how do we deal with that? Well, I think you set the ground rules at, before the game starts through the team, through the captain, being responsible, having cordial conversation. And it's something something escalates you probably recognize that something has escalated and you better be having a thick skin as initially to help help with that right but if somebody penetrates that skin you got to realize that they've gone a little too far mm-hmm. talking about my mother as an example has probably gone too far right, right i mean okay. you know or say my mother belongs somewhere in some other house yeah. those that's probably gone a little too far right. I, I think as adults we can understand what those kinds of boundaries are and should be however in youth because of different parameters and household environments, we don't know if they understand what those parameters are. So I think we need to be more understanding what that is. And part of that is helping educate them what those boundaries are. So my next question is, how do you start that process? Let's say we've got an 11 or 12 year old arrives in a situation where you're looking after them and you're trying to help them understand respect. And remember, we're talking probably in a rugby environment, but it could be any environment. Sure. I, 
part of that, if, if it's a solo situation, you got to be careful on your authoritative position, right? Whether you're a 28-year-old referee or 18-year-old referee or dealing with somebody who's 10 or 12 years old, you got to keep in mind that this there may be some kind of an education level here mm. of what that means. However, at the same time, you need to hold that person accountable. And maybe one of those things is having the discussion with either the captain or a coach after the match and say, this is what happened. This is what this individual said to me. They told me, they started talking about my mother and my sister mm-hmm. and all those kinds of things. And that doesn't belong. It, it, again, I, I know it's I, it's easy for me to say this because anybody could come up with a million different examples on how it may work or may not work. Mm-hmm. But that's where I start. We think that rugby... One of the great values of rugby is respect. Mm-hmm. Why is rugby unique in that sense? Well, it used to be much more unique until probably 10 to 15 years ago. I think there's been so much pressure put on players. And more importantly, I think there's a little, as much pressure put on referees to do the best. And everybody goes out to do their best. But I think there's so much more effort and emphasis put on winning the game and the commercialization of the game, which puts pressure on the sponsors and everything else. Say, hey, I'm sponsoring your club for $100,000. I expect results because that'll get me more advertising. And I, because of that, I, I believe everybody's falling under a little bit more pressure than they would have been a few years back. So they're falling under pressure and uh, things are maybe not as well placed as we want them to be. So you're going in to help support coaches and say, right, we understand respect's good. Here are some ways that you can start to develop that within your group. What would you give them as some, some well, suggestions? Well, I say off social media. I mean, to me, in the, in the, in the, during the same period, maybe it is a social media bias, right? But we, all you got to do is get on there and everybody wants to slam somebody for some reason. Everybody has an opinion. That's fine. But now they don't feel that there's any consequence by just being either just being a, a person who wants to just stir the pot. And I think there's a lot of people out there that just want to go out and stir the pot and just create an issue. Okay, I'm going to stop you there. So we're going off onto society thing. I want to uh, think about the coach. You're yeah. not going to stand up in front of a, a group of 14-year-olds and start to say the problem is about social media and that sort of thing, which we might understand is one of the difficulties. How are we going to speak to that 14 or 15-year-old and get them on the right road? So what's the culture of the club? I mean, that comes down to where where it is. Where it, you know, if you got a new club and you're standing, you can easily establish a new. But if you go back in history, whether your club is 100 years old or 150 years old, what's been the culture of the club? And you start moving away from your your value system that you've established. That's where it starts creeping in and creeping in a little bit. You don't need to open the door to allow allow the whole train to come in. Just allowing it to go on there without a consequence. Whether it starts on the practice field, and we've all seen this, where where a player will challenge a coach. And do say stupid things to others out. Like, but if that's not nipped in the butt, how does it you think it's going to change when a game time when there's a thousand fa- parents watching? So you say we put our behavior in in place right from the start. What well, does this not put off kids who want to come and just play when they're told this is how you got to be? I, I actually think it's the opposite. I think it would encourage more people to come out and play if they know that hey, I'm not going to be bullied or there's going to be some kind of a, a an environment. That, I have a personal example of this where uh, when I was training a women's women's team and uh, I gave everybody to go do a couple extra laps because a couple of people were talking during during a, a session. And while while they started going to do a run, one of the girls that was talking really took an offense of that they were being penalized or punished for for doing uh, uh, talking while 
a training was going on. And the girls that were doing who were actually were forced out to do the run, they end up policing it. Is if you don't like it, we've established the boundaries. He's established the boundaries. If you don't like it, you can leave. And she actually was a pretty good player. And she left. But the rest of the team elevated because of it. Because they realized, you know what? Just say what you're going to do and do what you say you're going to do. And if you don't, then you're all you're doing is talk. It's conjecture. You got some standards. Can you give me some examples of those standards? So we obviously got the, the talking standard. What other standards do you hold yourself account yourself accountable for which which make make a big difference? Uh Number one, probably, is getting shit done. GST. To me, is like, again, I just said it. If you're going to say you're going to do it, do it. If you don't do what you say you're going to do, people will have no, no confidence and respect towards you on executing on anything you're going to deliver on. For me, is setting the standard and having people understand what the standards are going to be and deliverables. Setting achievable uh, monuments or goals and, and striving for them and reminding people that these are the objectives for me or our organization. Okay, so you set a very high. This is the high level. These are. This is what I want to. Uh, is how we want to go to. But I want to know what those measurables are. Well, it's easy in the business world, right, to measure. Well, you're you're going to hit your performance matrices, whether it's going to be attendees or participants or growing growing it. For me, it's like number of events that we do from a finance world is whether the dollars are brought in versus the dollars spent, that kind of stuff. Those kinds of measurable. Actually. A lot of the stuff we do is non-tangible. You're never going to measure the success of an individual and say, you know, how much rugby has improved or impacted my life. You will get those testimonials in the future, whether that person becomes a CEO or maybe they go out and, and do this stuff and they come back and say, rugby impacted me when I was 12 years old. I want to give back. And, oh, by the way, what does that mean? So I, one of the things we need to do a better job as – Okay, so what is a better job? Well, what we need to do as a better job is we need to understand how – Rugby has actually impacted individual lives. To me, I do probably about 12 to 15 different testimonials a year. I try to focus on my middle teenage people, 14 to 17 years old, to under let them to, for me to try to understand how it impacted their lives. And it's really interesting to me because there's usually a, com- a couple of common denominators. One is friendships and relationships, but they're teammates. We talk about it all the time, but it's really cool when you hear a teenager talk about that, given the environment that teenagers are operating in today. So, and, and then when they have a good relationship with a coach, they'll come back and say, you know what? It's actually made me a better student in school. I'm focused more on doing it. Uh, I had a great experience with a lady, very quick story. Her son was nine years old playing tag rugby. Her husband, as it turns out, was a Wells Fargo banking executive. And I was talking to her on the sideline while her son was out playing. And she says, my son used to sit in the back of the class and hide. He never did his homework and everything else. And and when he found rugby, and he was only doing this for two months at that time, he moved to the front of the class, became very confident in in his presentations or whatever he was doing in, in the class. And now he does his homework before he goes to rugby practice. Is it measurable? In her mind, absolutely is measurable. In this kid's mind, maybe that kid doesn't even realize how impactful it changed that starts with the coach. It starts with the coach. What is that coach doing which makes the difference? And is it all, I mean, it's not obviously all rugby related. Rugby is a conduit for a lot of these things. What is that coach doing to make a difference which maybe other people in his life, his or her life are not doing? I think, I think one of the big things is trying to find something that a child, to build confidence. Because in this, in this environment, I'm going to say it was a lack of confidence. Or, or maybe it's that camaraderie of I look forward to go hanging out with my mates uh, at 6 o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon. And in order for me to do that, I've got to accomplish my other goals, which I don't really like doing. 
And but but I know there's a reward, and the reward for me is actually going and playing a sport and hanging out with my mates. I think that that's it's simple. I, you can ask the child, and it may have a different outlook. It's like, no, I just like playing. You know what I mean? I I don't I don't really know, but I think that that's what it comes down to is they have a reward that they're looking forward to accomplishing it, and it's not like your mom telling you don't forget to finish eating your Brussels sprouts in order for you to have dessert. I hate Brussels sprouts, right? But I want that dessert. So what do you got to do? You got to suck it up and just do it, and that. The dessert is the reward. And in our world, it's going to play rugby. For this kid, I'm pretty sure it was about like the dessert. In putting forward the ideas of respect, what have you found difficult? And what sort of things have you had to change about yourself? Or have you always been perfect? Not, I'm, not, not, I'm far from perfect. I, not, even, not even close to that. I, I did find myself, again, you, I, you lead by example. And sometimes, sometimes you have a bad day. And sometimes you have things going on in your life and, and you got to understand everybody has something going on in their lives. Some people are able to hold it and, and not unleash on somebody else. I don't unleash on other, other people, in, including my home life. I don't do that. I don't take out, I'd rather go beat up a tree or go back in the day when I was fit, go be, you know, go for a swim or whatever, like just to release that energy and then come back and gather my, gather my thoughts appropriately. Even as a police officer, yeah, you're, you may have had just the worst call in your life and you got to go out and, and go deal with somebody who just died in a house. You got to be compassionate and empathetic towards what's going on. So you got to be able to switch yeah. it off and on. It, it's difficult for you then. What's, what's changed in, say, the last? Uh, I think age. I think it's understanding that there's no sense. There's, there's stuff that are definitely outside of your control, controlling environment. And I, I used to laugh because I would referee or coach a women's rugby team. And a lot of them had interrelationships, right? And you can almost always tell when there was a breakup internally because they'd show up at rugby practice and they would hit each other harder than they would hit the opposition, to which I would take that environment and say, ladies, come over for a moment. Why is it you you take, I understand the anger or whatever's happened and don't need to get into personal relationships, but why is it you don't take that energy to hit your opponent who wants to beat you and you're more interested in hitting somebody that you loved harder it, it so it's kind of like you become a psychologist in a, in a lot of ways but for me it's like there's there's no sense getting angry about it. it's finding that zen finding the right moment because if if i come across disrespectful i am i'm trying to find the right word of saying this it doesn't it doesn't represent who i am and more importantly this is not representing what i'm trying to put forward uh, it's kind of the old adage is when, when i was on highway patrol you know, i had worked with guys who would write fire tickets for doing people who are doing five miles an hour speed limit I never rode tickets five miles hours. My tolerance was 20 miles hours. Why? Because that's where I drove my personal car when I got off of work, right? So the hypocrisy of it all would come forward. Now, I deserve getting a ticket 20 miles hours, whether I'm a cop or not. I don't think people driving five miles hours deliver and deserve it. So that's kind of where the understanding is like, let, let's not be hip, you know, hypocritical about it, this whole stuff. We set standards in order to get people to show respect. We've got to respect them. Uh, from a personal point of view, is there a point where you find it really difficult when someone is not able to see what respect is like? Yeah, that, that, that's actually a good question, Dan. I'm not really sure if, if I've come across that a whole lot in, in a rugby environment. I came across a lot in the police world. Mm. Right? Let's, let's be honest. There's people who hate cops and it just doesn't matter how nice of a person you are to them or whatever. It's just never going to happen. I think one of the things is finding a common bind or commonality where we can actually have a calmer discussion to de-escalate 
the the value that's created some level of animosity, whether it's me with another governance or me with an individual. To me, it's about being respectful. Even if people you don't like, you shake their hand. Because I'm going to tell you what, that's going to bother them more, that you're taking the higher road versus them. Okay, Phil. You're laughing at me. Yeah, no, I'm laughing. I think it's a good good thing. So it's always good to find common ground. Okay, brilliant. I really enjoyed that. So with the many hats that uh, Phil wears, uh, he was also a high-performance referee or still a high-performance referee coach and uh, evaluator, assessor in the in the UK. Uh, he sits on... In the US. In the US. US but assessor in the yeah, UK, right? Yeah. Uh, in, um, he's um, on the board of uh, five, six charities as well as um, the CEO of his own business. And as I said, he is part of the... Well, he has founded the Rugby Foundation. If you want to find out more about the Rugby Foundation, how do we find out more about that? Where do we go? The easiest way is through Facebook. We we regularly put up stuff. We have obviously an active website, rugbyfoundation.org. And uh, definitely go and visit because it's not just about rugby, it's about a whole lot of other things. So the philosophy is uh, helping to grow the game globally through partnerships and community engagement, facilitating positive outcomes to develop personal character uh, values to build better communities. So a couple of quick fire questions. Sure. How old do you feel? Uh, honestly? Yeah. You 58. Could. 58. What coaching book is beside your bed? I don't have one. Okay. Fair I enough. mean, I have a bed. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what to have coaching books. I don't have a coaching book, no. If you were to have uh, to coach or teach another subject sport, what would it be? Wow. I, you know, he, I would go probably Eddie Jones, Warren Gatt. I, I These guys are pretty phenomenal. Pretty phenomenal. Who's inspired you the most? My dad. Uh, interesting. Lots of people say that. Um, My dad died 18 years, 16 years ago. And uh, it's it, the values that he installed in me as a hard worker, while I didn't like it when I was very young, definitely carried forward. Um, what would you have told your 20-year-old self? It gets a lot better. <laughs> right, okay. It gets a lot better. Well, I'm glad you're still smiling at the end of this. So, Phil, thanks very much for your time. That was really enjoyable. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it.